Welcome to Torch Time Tales Presents Find Your Wavelength, a thought and feeling provoking podcast which explores the spiritual, scientific, and psychic interactions of our realities. Hello, and welcome to the Find Your Wavelength podcast. I am your host, Florence Faith Madison. And I'm here with my co-host, author of Torch Time Tales, Johnny L. Whitmore. We are continuing our conversation with Judson Hodges on Reiki and hands-on energy healing. Thanks, Flo. I wanted to start out and reflect back on Judson's powerful description of Reiki healing and how it works. And I think it's important to set the stage with Dr. Maslow and his work. He was the first to really detail for the Western world that until and unless the physical body was at peace and at rest and without pain, only then could we experience an opening to our higher spiritual self. Now, that piece becomes especially important as we consider the use of laying of the hands at the end of life. In one of our hospice trainings, one of the nurses pointed out, after being asked, why is morphine used at the end of life? Her response really nailed this on the head. She pointed out that when our mind is in a state of fear or our body is enraptured in pain, we will not be able to have our spirits leave our bodies. So the use of morphine has come into play as a way to relieve anxiety, relieve fear, and relieve pain so a spirit can pass from life. That said, Judd had been talking about a number of examples of how this has been received by those who have been fortunate to work with him. And I remember you sharing with me afterward, Judd, that there was an experience around an earthquake specifically you wanted to share. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. I'll do the earthquake story and then come back to the topic about bringing the spirit at death, which is really um, something that's really dear to me. So my mother-in-law, God bless her, took a tumble and hurt her shoulder. And she's my number one advocate. She's very supportive and very devout and is embracing Reiki through the lens of Jesus Christ, her Savior. And so when I did a session, I'm praying to her, her higher self through that lens. So she took a tumble and hurt her shoulder and it was having pain in her shoulder, her elbow and her hand. The session I had with her was was really beautiful and that I really took extra time with those areas. And so what often happens as soon as I get my hands uh, close to the receiver, they'll go right to sleep. And that's what she did. And she was deeply asleep. Well, my studio 
is on the second floor. And while I'm doing that, we had an earthquake, 4.5. And the whole place was rumbling and moving and shaking. And I thought she slept right through it. So I kept going and worked on her arm. And when it was over, I got up and asked her how she feels. The pain's gone in her arm, just a little bit in her shoulder. And I said, well, did you feel the earthquake? She goes, earthquake? I thought that was Reiki. I thought that was you. The place was shaken. I said, Mom, I'm good, but I'm not that good. <laughs> so we got a chuckle out of that, and she had had a good experience. Johnny, to circle back around to end of life, and that's how the two of us met, being involved with hospice. And the reason why I came to hospice is because my father had passed back in 2003, he was blessed to have hospice during his final years at home. And I was so impressed with the level of care and how they managed his pain that it inspired me really after I decided that uh, my calling now is Reiki for heal myself and my loved ones. Well, hospice is a focal point for me. The beautiful thing about Reiki is it helps with that transition, the transition from life to the hereafter. And as you alluded to, with the pain management being critical to allow them to still process these end-of-life issues, because a lot of times, if you've had any experience with losing a loved one, they will be what seems like they are out of their minds, they're hearing voices, they're shouting, and uh, a lot of times a loved one will say, just stop the suffering, give them more medicine. And if the clinical person's not trained in this, then you suppress, you over-medicate them, you suppress their ability to process, and dreaming is very important for them also. It suppresses their dreams, and so they're not able to make that transition smoothly. So Reiki is beautiful because it helps them to process past hurts, regrets, all those things that at the end we need to face and look at. So that's a, a huge benefit. And again, Reiki is a complementary therapy. It's not to replace chemo or morphine, but it, the major takeaway is relaxing, becoming comfortable with oneself, ready for the next journey. You remind me of an experience I had before I was fortunate to be able to work with Jack Epperson, the man who did healing of the hands on me many years ago. Prior to that, I had met two sisters, Andrea and Nan, and they too have passed beyond and may they rest in peace. They had been schooled in deep tissue massage but they were both extraordinarily spiritually attuned women. And they finally decided that their deep tissue massage just was missing an entire piece of the healing work that needed to happen. So I was living on Mossy Kilcher's seaside farm in Homer. I was in my mid-20s at that point, and I had met Andrea briefly, and she mentioned that she wanted to be able to give me a massage. And so I asked her to tell me a little bit about her technique. And she said, well, 
she kind of hemmed and hawed and she said, my sister and I started with this basic practice and then we decided to add our own spiritual infusion into the process. So what you're going to experience is a hybrid of massage, deep tissue massage and laying of the hands. And I thought, wow, great. So she sets up her massage table in my little tiny cabin it wasn't even 10 minutes into the session. She had popped me completely out of my body. And I'm on the ceiling watching as she's working on my body below. Now, that reminds me of your observation of the ability to do remote psychic healing. Andrea and Nan were both with me many years later when I heard my spirit voice for the very mm. first time. That was extraordinary. So see that as we come together and bring these energies together, wider doors open for everyone. That's amazing. What strikes me over and over is the depth of this practice, how rich it is and where it takes you. Another beautiful thing um, that I've discovered is that I can heal my doggies. I have a, a poor little dog, a little chihuahua that's been in congestive heart failure for a year. And her heart's so enlarged that it's compressing her trachea and she has trouble breathing. Oh my. So it's just a matter of time and we're lots of medicine and $1,200 vet visits. But I've been doing Reiki with her almost every day. And uh, so far, her heart's not getting any larger. Her coughing is, is lessened. So we hope to have her around a little longer. There's lots and lots of documentation and technique, veterinarian Reiki, I'll call it, large animals to very small animals. So there's uh, a lot of science uh, that uh, people can draw on to, to heal their pets. Another blessing. Shifting back to humans, more than a decade after I had the good fortune to work with Jack Epperson, I got a phone call one morning to learn that my mother had rapidly declined and was nearing her death. So I got the first flight I could from Alaska down to Oregon, and we were able to get down there that Sunday and I began doing laying of the hands with her at her temples. At the time, I have to note that I was the only member of the family that could psychologically and psychically deal with being with her at that important point in her life. My brother was overwhelmed with grief. He couldn't be in the same room with her. Neither could my dad. So I was really the one person there that could provide that relief for her. And every day for the next six days, I spent the entire day, eight to 10 hours at her temple, sitting at the top of her bed. And she had already lost her ability to speak. When I initially got down there, I put my hand in hers and she was able to squeeze my hand. 
And that was the last physical communication she was able to give to me that she knew I was there. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all day long, I sat at her temples, infusing her with love and light. And that Friday evening, my brother needed me to take him back to Portland where he was staying. And around midnight, we got a call that she had passed on. He came down to give me the news. We both went back to sleep. And two hours later, my mother pulls me out mm. into deep space. She's in the whiteness of death. She has the infinite stars behind her and just radiating her love with me. I was only able to maintain that for so long before my conscience got a whiff of where I was and that I couldn't stay there. And with a big, <gasps> I sat straight up on the couch wide awake and realized what had happened. It had literally taken her two hours to get out of her body mm -hmm go from Salem to Portland and pull me out into deep space. And if that isn't a testimony to the power of our hands, I don't know what is. It moved me. Legions. Oh, that's so beautiful, Johnny. That is such a... And how blessed she was to have you during that time. The blessing was back to me. I, I can't imagine any more of an extraordinary gift that she could have given me. Hmm. And I only hope that when I go, somebody from hospice who's there with me has that capacity to do that for me, that that could be for everyone who is willing and wants it. Amen. That's beautiful. One of the things that we had spoken about earlier is to point out that while these may have different names, whether it be called Reiki or laying of the hands, or as it's more commonly referred to currently, healing touch, that all of these are variations along the same energy work that Judd so beautifully described for us in the previous episode. We know that it's been a process to get this far. There were many years where people were looked down upon or shamed for this type of work. And eventually, I think the phrase healing touch has become the preferable one, perhaps because it does not have the baggage that had been previously associated with laying of the hands or even potentially Reiki. We do now know that science actually has been able to begin to measure the ephemeral. I'd use the example of Dr. Rupert Sheldrake one of his earliest experiments, how do we know that somebody is staring at us, was able to measure psychic activity happening by its accuracy. So the person who had gone through this experiment had 18 out of 20 times been able to correctly identify when someone was staring at him. 
And yet this is ephemeral work. We know that science is working hard to connect these spiritual realms with measures and techniques that can really speak to what the practice does in our healing journeys. We also talked a little bit about how it is that some will take this into a profession and that it is completely acceptable as their profession for them to ask for payment in return. This is a normal part of the process. And in fact, as Judd spoke about, this was addressed by Buddha 2,500 years ago. He cautioned us that meditation will produce spiritual fruits. These are the psychic and intuitive and healing capacities we've been talking about. And that these gifts, these fruits, are never to be used for personal gain. However, he said very clearly, the exception is when it is and has become our profession. So you'll recall, Judd, as we initially began speaking, my first question to you was what? Is this your profession? Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So see that I provide healing work because I'm in retirement and this is not my occupation. I never ask for payment when I do laying of the hands with someone. It's part of my spiritual gift to them. And it's absolutely okay for you to be able to undertake this as an occupation and be paid for it. Yes, thank you. That's an internal confliction, a dialogue that I have constantly because I am retired and my goal is to bring this to everyone in Lake County. The way we're able to do that is by having people experience it. Not everyone has an extra $100 in their pocket for something like this. And then on the moral side of it, if I see someone suffering, then I can't ask for any, any money. However, Dr. Yusui found when he was working in the slums of Tokyo that they had a high recidivism rate. People would come in and they had the same problems that we're having now, homelessness, uh, substance abuse. And so he discovered that he needed a buy-in from his clients. He would ask for, well, go get me a bowl of rice or sweep my floor, some some investment that the person has in and taking responsibility for their healing. So th that's an important part that needs to be understood. When Reiki first came to the U.S., they made it very exclusive and charged $10,000 to become a, a, a master. And the fees to learn it were very high. Well, in the 90s, people realized, again, that you're really eliminating a huge section of society and it needs to be much more affordable, which is if you if you take the, the Reiki path, it's much more affordable and 
for a private session, uh, it's it's not that expensive. When I talked to my church family about it and told them what I'm doing and how I want to give back to the community and to them and for all, everyone who's suffering, I asked for a donation. And the form of that donation is they can donate directly to the church or they can donate time for the church. And so that feeds my soul doing a, a noble and righteous thing and then also gets an investment. What's your thoughts on that? I think that that's an extraordinarily generous gift on your part, Judd. And I just want to thank you for everything you've brought to the table in these last two episodes in helping us better understand energy work and energy healing. On that note, do you have final thoughts you'd like to share with us? I'm blessed that I'm here with you and your team today. And this has been a really wonderful opportunity to reach out. But for me, uh, also, my personal and spiritual growth. And I was going to tell you this earlier, but thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, thank you, Judd, once again, so much for joining us for these two episodes. And thank you to everyone listening. We hope that you enjoyed learning all about Reiki and hands-on energy healing. And we hope that you'll join us for our next episode in the Find Your Wavelength podcast. You've been listening to Torch Time Tales Presents Find Your Wavelength. If you're interested in learning more about Torch Time Tales multimedia efforts, which include a book, an audiobook, a series of videos, interactive social media platforms, and live participatory Zoom groups, please visit torchtimetales.org. <music>